Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The biggest story of the weekend continues to be Aaron Rodgers and his future with the Packers. Now, if you thought that that was just some one-day flash in the pan, if you thought Thursday was just kind of a one-off before the draft, maybe some weird, quirky play story that pops up then goes away, then you missed out on that. You were wrong. Way, way wrong. wrong. That was not a one-off. That did not come out of nowhere. That did not just pop up out of nowhere. That story right there was more than a year in the making, and it's not going away anytime soon. Speaking of the aforementioned Charles Robinson, early Saturday morning, he dropped another bombshell regarding Aaron Rodgers and that situation with Green Bay. And I quote, The reigning league MVP remains adamant that he will not return to the team under the current stewardship of general manager Brian Gutenkunst, a source in Rogers' camp said, end quote. So to quote one of the all-time great Olympians and one of the all-time worst singers, uh-oh! In other words, uh to the O. And from a Packer perspective, it only gets worse because that wasn't even the full sentence. I mean, you could have just dropped that clause and then called it a day. But here comes the rest of the sentence, and this shows just how pissed Aaron really is. Quote, and that he's willing to weigh hardline options at his disposal from refusing to show up for offseason activities to holding out a training camp and possibly retirement, end quote. So maybe it's posturing or maybe he hates the GM that much. In other words, no one is saying it either on or off the record, but it sure as hell sounds like it's either me or it's him. And if that's the case, how the hell are you going to take the GM over the MVP of the league? Like, I'm trying to think of something more asinine than that, but nothing is coming to mind. I mean, sure, Aaron was the best player in the league last year. He's one of the best players ever. But Goots, I mean, Goots is the greatest executive in the history of the world. I mean, there is some crumbs, Krause type of bullcrap in that, right? You know, that whole players don't win championships, organizations do. Yeah, I mean, sure, players are important, but not nearly as important as the guy who helps pick them and then pisses them off. That's the dude who is most responsible for the Lombardi, not the guy under center. Like, I'd ask how the hell the Packers even ever got to this point. But I already know the answer. They value their GM more than they do their MVP Hall of Fame quarterback. That's how they got to this point. And what point is that? The Hall of Fame QB hates that same GM so much he's thinking about retiring just after winning the MVP award rather than show up and work with this dude in the same building if reports are true. I mean, if that really is the situation, there is absolutely nothing about that that is good for the Packers. Unless, of course, the Packers really do want to have to see what they get in Jordan Love. Like, you wanted that guy. 
You traded up to get that guy. You pissed off your franchise quarterback in the process of getting that guy. So why don't you go ahead and play him? And yet at the same time, at the same time, the Packers would have you believe that they can't fathom life without Aaron Rodgers. Matt LaFleur was the latest one to say that. I can't fathom not being in Green Bay. So that's where my mind's at. I don't only love the player, but I love the person. I love working with him on a daily basis. I think we all do, from the players in that locker room to the coaching staff. And, again, I don't don't even want to let my mind go there. All right, so let me ask you this. Which one is it? You can't imagine life without Aaron Rodgers, or you can't wait to find out what life is like without the guy. Because you're telling me one thing, but your actions represent just the opposite. But throughout this... One of the things that keeps coming up is we haven't heard from the guy himself. We haven't heard from Aaron Rodgers in talking about these reports. And yet there he was with a chance to address them Saturday when he was at the Kentucky Derby. Rodgers and Mike Tirico bump into each other at Churchill Downs. And while he did not want to go on camera, this is how Tirico characterized that conversation. And as they were walking in, I bumped into one of the VIPs here just happens to be the biggest news name in sports right now. That's Aaron Rodgers. We've heard of the story of Green Bay and what's going on with Aaron. He's here with his fiance, Shalane Woodley, here this weekend. He didn't want to talk on camera. I can tell you, I characterize Aaron as disappointed that news has come out of this rift uh, with the Packers. He expressed a couple of times how much he loves Green Bay, loves the fans, loves the franchise. There is a fissure. There is a chasm between management and the reigning NFL MVP We're just not sure how this is going to play out. I'll watch closely over the next couple of weeks to see what we hear from the Packers side and when Aaron does speak. Interesting times ahead for sure in the National Football League this weekend. All right, so Aaron did not speak for the record, but there is confirmation right there of the issue. There is, quote, a fissure. There is a chasm between management and the reigning NFL MVP, end of quote. So how big is that gap between both sides? Hard to know at the moment, right? It's not as if words like fissure and chasm provide any clarity. But me being the ultimate wordsmith that I am, I can remind you there is a difference between a fissure and a chasm. Like, is this more a cleft or a gorge or a canyon or even an abyss? Why don't you let me use some words that we can all understand to accurately describe describe this situation? Completely jacked up. It was messed up a year ago when they took love without telling Rodgers, and now it's much worse a year later. Much worse. And as bad as it was when they drafted his replacement and did not have the professional courtesy of communicating with him what and why they were doing it, that was still a situation that was salvageable. It was. When Rodgers went out and he won the MVP, the organization just had to own that, swallow hard, admit to themselves, all right, we were wrong, dude still has plenty left. Hell, he was the best player in the entire league last year. Let's own that, let's acknowledge that, and the fact that it's not love's time yet. Let's acknowledge that and take care of our guy. We made a mistake. He earned it. And according to Robinson, if the team did that, if the team recommitted to him with a new contract and some guaranteed money because there's currently no guaranteed money left on that deal, that could have theoretically fixed everything. 
But according to Robinson, the Packers were not really into that. They were not initially going to do anything beyond restructure and guarantee a contract for 2021. So no wonder this dude is going nuclear. No wonder he doesn't want to be there because they couldn't have made it any more clear that they don't want him there. Not beyond one more year. They drafted his replacement, and even after he had an MVP year, they reportedly would not commit to him with the new deal that he deserves, that he earned. And yes, I know that committing to Rodgers for a couple of more years would mean the team has to admit that they were wrong to draft Jordan Love. But go ahead and admit it because you were wrong. And then if you want to compare this to the way Carson Palmer forced his way out of Cincinnati back in the day, you can. But know this, that was Cincinnati. This is Green Bay. Green freaking Bay. The old Bengals had a history of screwing things up. That's why Carson wanted out. He was right to want out. He played for the Bengals. I mean, for who? For what? This is different. This is the Packers we're talking about. The gold standard. One of the Tiffany franchises. Not just in the NFL, but all of sports. You cannot be serious with this. You cannot screw this up any worse. You have Aaron Rodgers, the league MVP. He took you to -to back-to-back NFC Championship games. You're going to treat this guy like this? Again, Jordan Love has not thrown a pass in an NFL game, yet you're willing to burn a bridge with one of your best players ever for that. You cannot be serious. You cannot be serious. So what happens now? What's next? As Robinson reports, Packers team president Mark Murphy knows about Aaron's feelings about the GM and, quote, the ball is in Mark's court, according to the source. Ask me, this is Tom Brady all over again in New England. Yes, Brady was free to go where he wanted. Yes, Rodgers is still under contract. But if Rodgers really does hate Goontz enough to retire, then he does have a hammer. So, Do what Tampa Bay did for Brady. In other words, do the right thing. Give the quarterback what he earned. Give the quarterback what he needs. Fix the situation. And if that means firing your GM, you do that too. Because your league MVP and your Hall of Fame quarterback is a hell of a lot more important to your organization and a lot easier to replace the GM than him. You probably still have a chance to fix it. So do it. Man, do it now. Unbelievable that it's come to this. And they had a chance to fix it and still have it. Hey, you know what? Small changes towards a healthier lifestyle can add up in a big way. But maybe you're not sure where to begin. Let me talk to you about Grove Collaborative. Running to the store has been pretty stressful of late, and there's nothing worse than forgetting something on your list and needing to make multiple trips. Shopping for home essentials should be easy and convenient, and that's where Grove Collaborative comes in. Healthy, plant-based, non-toxic cleaning products that work, and the good ones are actually more enjoyable to use. But where do you start and who do you trust? Grove Collaborative. Grove is the online marketplace that delivers healthy home, beauty, and personal care products directly to you. Grove Collaborative takes the guesswork out of going green. Browse the site for thousands of home, beauty, and personal care products, all guaranteed to be good for you, your family, your home, and your planet. So join over 2 million households who have trusted Grove Collaborative to make their homes happier and healthier, and shipping is fast and free on your first order. 
Making the switch to natural products has never been easier. For a limited time, when you go to grove.co slash Rome, you will get to choose a free gift with your first order of $30 or more. But you have to use our special code. Go to grove.co slash Rome to get your exclusive offer. That's grove.co slash Rome. Good friend of the program. He is Charles Robinson. Dude, you cannot shake me. You're back. Charles, what's up? How are you? Doing well. Low key, low key uh, weekend, right? Yeah, right. Not not much going on. Not much going on. So let's talk about that low key weekend. You have been all over that story for Yahoo, and you reported Roger or Charles, among other things, that he may not return to the team with Brian Gutenkunst as the GM. I mean, Aaron Charles understands that business is business as well as anybody. So in your mind, how did this get so personal between he and the GM, and what is Aaron so upset about? Well, you know, I think the main fracture point was really how the Jordan Love pick, you know, the quarterback pick went down last year and not being let in on on the fact that, he, you know, could even take a quarterback. You know, Aaron really thought, hey, we're a skill position player here. This is still a build around me. And then, you know, when the Jordan Love pick was made and he had no idea that was coming, you know, I think he felt like he got jumped. And I think things had already – look, here's the thing about Aaron and the front office. I think even going back to Ted Thompson, who, who obviously preceded Brian Gutekunst, I think Aaron's always kind of felt like, hey, I've, I've proven that I am a great player. I'm, I've, I'm an asset to the team. I know this offense, you know, whether it's, you know, Mike McCarthy or it's, or it's you know, Matt LaFleur. I can be an asset to you if, if you want to listen and I can weigh in on things. I don't, I don't think he necessarily wants to dictate anything, but I think he would like to feel like he's being hurt. So I think some of it starts there. But then when the Jordan Love pick happens, I think Aaron Rodgers sits there and looks at the situation and says, okay, this is a new GM since Ted Thompson. He's done a number of things now that, that I felt like not heard in the organization. And then all of a sudden he takes this quarterback and I still feel like I have a number of years left. It's clear he's, he's starting to transition this to move toward this guy. And I think Aaron in his mind thought that the plan was from Brian Gutekunst to take this through the 2021 season or, or even the 2020 season potentially and move on to Jordan Love um, and, and basically just get Aaron out of the organization. And Aaron felt like, from what I was told, he – played at MVP level in 2020 he felt like he changed um, what that plan was and even though I think he had some distrust he was open to when the offseason started you know if they want to commit to me give me a, a contract extension that shows hey you are the starting quarterback here's the guaranteed money that shows you are the starting quarterback in 2020 in 2022 okay you know that shows the recommitment to me instead the Packers came to the table. They said, hey, we're, we're looking at potentially doing a modest restructure. But he looked at that and he said, look, that's just all that does is guarantee me through 2021. That's that's no commitment to me. This is you're still trying to operate with the same Jordan Love timeline. I think he had just had it. I think when he got to this offseason, he had decided that, you know, something's got to be done at this point. I got to I got to make something happen here. And if Brian Gutekunst is going to be with the Green Bay Packers, 
I want to be somewhere else. Like, I don't think we can work together anymore. Charles Robinson is joining us. All right, so you lay that out really nicely. Had the team come to him, and to your point, he had the MVP season, so that pretty much jacked up their plans. But had they just kind of swallowed hard and then made it right with him, guaranteed him money, restructured that deal or extended that deal, could they have fixed it? And if so, why wouldn't they do that? I, I do think they could have. I think if I think if at, you know toward the end of the season it was pretty clear. Um, once the playoffs started, like Aaron was going to win MVP. I think it, you know it picked up the phone and called any MVP. I'm an MVP voter, you know, and and it took me a while to come around on Aaron, but I I, I voted for Aaron. And I think if they had talked to any MVP voters, this guy was going to win MVP. They they'd seen how he played, regardless of whether he wins MVP or not. They know the level he was playing at. And I think if they had said to him as the season was coming to a close, the regular season, I think they said, "Hey, let's let's talk about a contract extension here. Let's let's make sure you feel you know taken care of. You're the guy. You're the priority. You don't worry about Jordan Love. We're not worrying about Jordan Love. You know, and the team and your teammates know you are unquestionably the guy for the next couple of years." I think Aaron would have been like, "Okay, all right, let's do this. Let's talk about this. Boom, let's get this done." And instead, it, that's not how it happened at all. You know, it was from what I was told, it was like, hey, you know, we could restructure your deal, you know, push a little money down the road to kind of, re, you know, re-sign some guys. But Aaron also knew they needed to do that anyway, that they would have to restructure his deal anyway to retain some of the free agents that they wanted. So he thought, you're just offering me something that, you, you know, you want, you want to do anyway for your own, for your own purposes. Now, in terms of why, you know, the, the Packers didn't just immediately go, hey, we're going to commit to you for the next couple of years. I mean, that's a good question. That's a great question for Brian Gutekunst. And, you know, I know he said, hey, Aaron hasn't said that, um, you know, he wants me out of here to my face. He hasn't said that publicly. That's a great point. It's a really, really good point because I think that is a line that Aaron Rodgers knows. Once I come out and publicly say this, there's no fixing this ever. Like, there's no way to get this repaired in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I think the Packers know that. So, you know, it's I, the source told me, hey, this is in you know Mark Murphy, the balls in Mark Murphy's uh, court. If he's the, obviously the the CEO of the Packers, the team president. Um, but in a way, it's also still in Aaron's court because Aaron has been very careful about what he said publicly, and that's how he usually plays his dissatisfaction. He he'll say a lot behind the scenes. You know, to all these, you know, teammates and friends and associates. But, you know, he's always very measured in what he says publicly. We're talking to Charles Robinson. All right, so do you think they're both dug in? In other words, is the team not going to do any more than they're doing right now? And in your mind, would Aaron really retire before he returned to play for that team and that GM under that contract? I do think they're dug in um, from the standpoint of when the Packers it became clear to the Packers that he, he wanted out, you know, you send different individuals, you send Matt LaFleur, Mark Murphy makes the trip. Brian Gutekunst makes the trip out to see Aaron um, individually and try to repair this. And, and, you know, I know Matt LaFleur said, Hey, he's talked about that trip publicly he said, Hey, we had a, you know, we had a good conversation. We had a good talk. You know, I don't think Matt LaFleur's ever been the problem when it's come to Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, but then Mark Murphy tells people, look, there's clearly some issues here. We're trying to work through it. The Packers are, are sending every indication, look, we, we will do what we need to do here. 
but I, I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna come down to Aaron. Does Aaron feel like the bridges are burned and it's completely you know irreparable at this point? That no matter what they offer, um, say they offer the multi year extension that you know just cements him as the centerpiece, will he change his mind? And then you know beyond that, what are the suitors out there? Like if you want, if if it's true he wants to go to Denver, I'm sure Denver would love to have him. Um, you know, but Denver has to want to pursue that and the Packers have to be open to listening and there's going to be a price to be paid. Same with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, you know, the 49ers are obviously off the table there, but I mean, if the Raiders and the Broncos are two teams that he's interested in going to, they're going to have to somehow take a part here and, and get the, the Green Bay Packers to listen. But as you said, will he retire? That's the, the key question here. If he, that's really the, the options he has on the table. Now the mandatory mini camps are coming up in June if he doesn't show for that, that is a big escalation in this. Um, and then, obviously, if he doesn't show for training camp, another huge escalation in this. And then I think that the nuclear bomb option is just to say, you know what, my agent David Dunn took Carson Palmer through retirement with the Bengals to get him off that team. I'm I'm going to get this Jeopardy job. I feel like, you know, I, I got a shot at this job. I want to be a Jeopardy host. I'm just going to go ahead and retire here, and, and you guys can figure it out. And, you know, he's got the right agent for it because – David Dunn went through it with Carson Palmer and the Bengals, and that ultimately freed Carson Palmer to move on from his career after the Cincinnati Bengals. Charles Robinson is all over this story. All right, so I'm just throwing hypotheticals out there, but for instance, what if this became this kind of weird negotiation whereby they weren't really willing to do what he wanted contractually, but Mark Murphy said, all right, but I'll sacrifice the GM. Like, what if they got rid of Gutenkunz but did not really give him all this guaranteed money or the extension he was looking for? Do you think that would be good enough for him? Like, is it that personal? I, you know, I, I'd be speculating if I said exactly, you know, splitting the hairs, you know, what, what, what will work and what won't like, what's, what's the Rubik's cube, right. you know, solution of this situation. Um, I don't know if, if Mark Murphy says, Hey, you know, we'll move on from Brian Gutekunst, whether or not Aaron Rodgers will go, okay, that's good enough for me. You know, I'm going to come back. Um, because you know, the Jordan Love's still there. Obviously the guy who selected Jordan Love, but, but here's the thing, Brian Gutekunst, when when he drafted Jordan Love, he did that with Mark Murphy's support. So you know Mark Murphy's still there too. So you know it's it's there's Brian Gutekunst, and then I think and there's the guy standing behind him who's supporting him who hired him. And that's Mark Murphy. So um, I don't know. I don't know that that you know the GM simply being out would would solve this at this point. It's something Aaron's got to speak to. Um, I I think this is complicated. It's messy. And I think the way that it came out, you know, on the first day of the draft really speaks to how burned Aaron feels, how messy this is. And, and by the way, this has been going on for a while. Like this has really been going on since the end of the regular season and into the playoffs. When, I, when it clearly talking to people in his camp, it became clear to Aaron, they're not going to give me a contract extension. They're going to try to rework this thing. And this is going to be a problem. So we're talking months. Before right. this thing comes out. So right, before so it could gotta, come out in day one of the draft, I mean, that, that speaks. I would never interrupt you except to say I've got about 90 seconds. So break this down. How likely is it in your mind that he is starting for them in week one of next year? <sighs> Man, I, <laughs> I, I've learned with Aaron in the past to um, – he is an emotional guy. He gets, he's gotten upset about things, and, and I'll just take it back to the contract, you know, extension that he got previously. I really thought, you know, things were going sideways then for Aaron Rodgers, 
and you know they they offered him a ton of money and he signed and everything was fine so i've learned not to to put um you know low percentages on him you know coming back i still think that the packers are going to play hardball here and aaron has to make the decision whether or not he's willing to basically just say look i'm done i'm walking until you you know you deal me so um the chance of the Aaron doing that, I don't know. I, I'd say I, it's a coin flip at this point. I hate to say 50-50 because that's the coward's way out, but I've seen this happen with Aaron before where he's upset at the team and, and somehow it gets massaged. This is definitely different, though. It's definitely escalated to a whole new level. My man, that is not the coward's way out in this case. Uh, I think that's fair. I think that's legit. He is an excellent NFL reporter, one of the best there is, a senior NFL reporter for Yahoo!, I consider him a very good friend of the program, Charles Robinson. Charles, thanks so much, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me, Romy. Hey, you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it gets even more amazing when you consider all the places where Discover is accepted. Namely, 99% of the places in the United States that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. All right, so quickly, let me go back to the draft for a minute. And I'm not going to break this thing down and give you grades for every single team but just a few moments from the draft that really stand out first and foremost the draft was held in my city cleveland c-town Cleveland. so i was really intent upon seeing what the browns did because i know they're that close and they are america's team they went with defense with their first two picks in cornerback greg newsom the second and then somehow, some way, they got an absolute steal in Jeremiah Awusu Koromora in the second round. However, it was not just the pick in the second round that I liked so much. It was the action before that pick. When a Browns fan dressed as the late macho man Randy Savage dominated the stage. Now, in and of itself, was that a good idea? Oh, yeah. So let's see the action. What did that, that look like? Is that the macho man? Gotta be right. Come on. That's amazing. Please tell me he just walked up and was like, hey, I dressed up like this. I'm sitting in the chair. No matter who got picked. Yeah, I don't care. I'm taking I'm the chair. I'm the chair. And who's going to stop it? Nobody. What you going to do, brother? <laughs> that caught the macho man up. Who's making the pick, Miss Elizabeth? Good Lord, where's the commissioner? NFL Network with the audio, so let's not see it. Let's hear it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely nothing better than seeing some dude dressed as a Cleveland Browns version of Randy Savage rocking a belt, shaking hands with a commish. I'm sure Raj felt really comfortable with that. I'm sure he knew exactly what that was all about. I'm sure he understood that moment. I'm sure he rolled with that nicely. Except it was not all joy and exhilaration for Cleveland. I thought it would be, but it wasn't. Because in the third round, former Raven, Jacoby Jones, does that name ring a bell? It should. Jacoby Jones strutted onto the stage to make that pick for Baltimore. 
And you know that if Jacoby Jones is in front of a microphone, something amazing is about to happen. And it did, starting with his dance out to the mic. A strut and a dance. Right now, it's Jacoby Jones who's going to announce their pick with a little flair as he entertains the fans here in rival Cleveland. Hey, look, let me tell you something. Y'all can boo all y'all want, but you got to accept it. I got a ring. <laughs> I got a ring. I got a ring. It is what it is. But I thank the NFL for giving me the opportunity to do this, and I thank the Baltimore organization get an opportunity to do this. Because as a child, you want to do this. So with the 94th pick, the Baltimore Ravens select from Georgia, Ben Cleveland. Oh, that's a little background here. little background here. At one point, this was not a Ravens house, and then it became a big Ravens house. It just is. But as big of a Ravens house as this is, it will never be as big of a house as it is America's team's house. So ordinarily, I might have an issue with a Raven coming in to Cleveland and talking junk the way he did. But how can I? Man, the way he owned it, the way he went up there, the way he delivered that, You knew he'd dominate a pick announcement, and he smashed it. Jacoby was more of a showman than Macho Man was, and that's saying something. I hate to see this guy take a run at my city like that, but what he said was accurate. He's not wrong. He does have a ring, and he's not afraid to tell you about that ring. Hey, look, let me tell you something. Y'all can boo all y'all want, but you got to accept it. I got a ring. (laughs) I got a ring. I got a ring. It is what it is. I mean, you got to respect that, and I do. This guy gets up on stage at the NFL draft in the host town and said it three different times. I got a ring. I got a ring. I got a ring. Y'all got to accept it. It is what it is. Translation, scoreboard. I mean, was that the NFL draft, or was that a roast battle on the comedy network? Because he just won. That's the best work from Jacoby Jones on a mic since he did an in-game interview during a Pelicans game back in the day. That interview gave us one of the all-time greatest jungle drops ever. But I'm not going to just play the drop. I want to play the interview because sometimes that drop overshadows some other incredible greatness within. Plethora of gridiron talent here tonight. The one and only New Orleans native Jacoby Jones here in the house. Jacoby, we're so glad to have you home after your season with the Baltimore Ravens. How are you doing? I'm good, mama. You know, I'm, I'm home. I ain't been home in a minute since the Super Bowl, so it's good to come home and just support. You know what I mean? Has it been that long since the Super Bowl last year? It's been awkward, you know? You know, you've been like, uh, all right, I'm good, but... I, I appreciate it. Yeah, a free agent this year. What does your future plans hold? You have so many fans here who want to follow your career. Um, I love home always, but I would love to go back to Baltimore, but only God knows what it is in our path right now. It's a business. It's a crazy situation, so I'm just waiting. So you have the iconic awkward drop. But do not sleep on that answer that he is about to give. Like, that that already is one of the best interviews ever. Already. 
but do not sleep on the answer that he's about to give when he is asked what he is doing in the offseason. Listen. It is a business, and it can be tough. So I imagine you'll be training some this offseason. What does your offseason hold for you? Uh, right now, I'm being fat. <laughs> I'm eating crawfish, hot sausage, po' boys, everything crazy. There go meats. Oh, Lord. Here we go. <laughs> I love that the reporter is asking a really smart, really sharp question about how he's approaching his offseason training, and his response is, quote, right now, I'm being fat. I'm being fat. And then proceeds to run down a list of the food that he has been mashing. And it's pretty much a list of every kind of food there is in New Orleans. He's just eating his way through the city, quote, being fat. I'm being fat. Then the reporter asks him for a Super Bowl preview, talking about what it would be like to play the Super Bowl outside, and my man goes full-blown analyst. Playing in that snow won't be easy. It's a mind thing, but I think a team that plays outside all the time will win a game, which both teams do, but it'll be interesting. I think my pick, I think they'll win. Rock solid. You could take that inside to the bank. And you know what? I take that whole interview home with me. In fact, I did. I cannot tell you how many times that Jacoby Jones interview has been a part of the fabric of the Rome household. Do you have any idea how many times the word awkward Awkward. is thrown around in my home? Do you have any idea what that interview means to me and my family? That has been a staple of our dinner table ever since that interview dropped. I could do this show for another 30 years. I could interview presidents, kings. I could do a roundtable with Michael Jordan and LeBron James. None of that would have the impact on my life and my family and me as a father that Jacoby Jones did in that interview. And I didn't even conduct the interview. I wasn't even there for it. That's no exaggeration now. I'm not saying that for a fact. Again, I cannot tell you what that interview means to me and my family. Some of the best father-son moments that I've ever had with my two sons have come from that interview. I will say it right now, and I'm proud to say it. That interview made me a better father. That interview made me a better person. And there is nothing at all Awkward Awkward. in that admission. Just seeing that guy do what he does brought me even closer to my two sons than we already were. Logan and I go back and forth about how awkward Awkward. many awkward things are. I can't tell you how many times we pulled that up on our phone in the ensuing years afterwards. I mean, what do fathers and sons bond over? I can remember when I was growing up, My father and I, we'd watch fights, boxing. I've got amazing memories of my father and I watching some of the all-time great fights together. Fathers and sons bond over baseball, right? My boys and I, especially Logs. Logan thought that was hilarious. My sons and I have bonded over Jacoby getting awkward Awkward. and being fat. I'm being fat. Right? We're all being fat, man. I'm being fat. My boys and I have bonded over that and will continue to do so. 
we always will. So when I saw my dude get up on stage as a Raven and talk junk to C-Town and talk junk to America's team and their fans, you know, initially my reaction was, come on, man, you don't need to be like that. But then I remembered who he was, what he represents, how he did one of the most famous interviews ever, what he meant to me as a man and as a father, and most of all, bottom line, he's not wrong in what he said. He does have a ring. It is what it is. Nobody can take that from him. And I'll tell you what is is, that is one of the greatest interviews ever, ever. Nothing awkward about that. Awkward. And when she hit him with, how are you preparing for the upcoming season? What are you doing in the offseason? And he said, quote, I'm getting fat. I'm being fat. Check that. I'm being fat. I'm being fat. He's not getting fat. He's being fat. I'm being fat. Why? What are you eating? Everything. Crawfish. Poor boy. My man, Jacoby. Big ups to you, JJ. Yes, ma'am. Hey, are you craving some protein after a good workout? You know it. Don't make a shake. Don't eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Make sure you look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, make sure to ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Chris in Southeastern Wisco. Chris, what's up? How are you? I'm doing good, Jim, brother. How about yourself? So good, dude. I'm great. Hey, man, I just wanted to weigh in real quick with some thoughts about this past weekend. Uh, One thing that is definitely becoming increasingly clear, Rome, when it comes to high-profile sporting events, Clone Nation is increasingly making its mark. I think most of us love seeing a clone get some gloss at the NFL draft this past week. And just when you think life as a clone couldn't get any better, we saw sport imitate life through the ups and downs of Derby weekend. I know I've been critical and skeptical of Jeff and Richmond regarding his alleged success and opulent lifestyle in the past. But let me tell you something, Jim. When he broke out that bugle calling the riders to the post, I got chills and tears in my eyes, Jim. I gained a ton of respect for Jeff in that moment. Never once did Jeff call in the show to boast that he was going to have the honor of a lifetime. Just imagine how many musicians wish they could have been in Jeff's place. There he was in his black bugle guy lid, his fire engine red blazer that was screaming and ready to burst at the seams, and his stormtrooper black boots. He practically blew off the ultra-cheesy derby hat that TB43 was sporting. The only buzzkill of the derby was related to Cal and Vegas. Not sure if the clones knew this, but Cal had been booked to ride King Fury, a 20-to-1 shot, until the thoroughbred spiked a fever after warming up on Friday, which unfortunately led to the decision to pull the racehorse out of the derby. Poor Cal. He just can't catch a break this year. Gambling, tournament golf, aspirations of being a jockey in the Kentucky Derby, none have worked out for that poor tiny bastard. Or Alvin, when he bumps Pac on the way to break, and unwar dudes over the age of 30 that still wear team jerseys and ask other grown men for autographs. 
It's a dynasty, Crohn's! My man, Rackham, Bobby in Des Moines. Bobby, what's up? How are you? Jim, thanks for taking my call. I called last year about this time, and I got ran twice in a week. And after listening to your show for about 25 years, you'd think I would know better. And after that second call, as I laid on my back looking up at the bright lights of the jungle, I heard a voice inside, and it said, have a take, don't suck. So I'm going to go for it again. Jim, last week I heard the cries of Packer fan pleading with management to get Rodgers some help, and they got him some help all right, but not the help they hoped for. More like helping his game show hosting career. Jim, Packer fan hasn't watched a story this close since a certain tight end was spotted hot tubbing with a babysitter. I mean, what's it say, Packer fan, when your star quarterback would rather turn vowels for a vacationing Vanna White than throw touchdowns on the frozen tundra? I want you to listen real close, Packer fan. Look in the mirror and tell yourself it's over. And Aaron doesn't want to be just friends. Reference Danica. Jim, war Otis and Austin educating the clones on the differences between pigtails and a ponytail during Smack Off 9. War coach Dan Campbell in the new Detroit Lions regime. And as the kids say, ah, and that makes three. Oh, no. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. My man, Bobby, I appreciate you and I appreciate the fact that. See, I understand. I, for me, I would have a pretty dark heart. And I'd be soulless if I just broke off a guy who said to me, hey, man, I've had your back for 25 years. So I tried to give you a little bit of runway, try to give you a little bit of rope. But if you can't tell the difference between Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, you're not getting through your call, right? David in Green Bay. David, how are you? Hey, how are we doing, Rome? Hey, on the subject of basketball, real quick, the uh, West doesn't scare me a bit. If my Bucks can get past the Nets, I think we're going to be fine now that we got Tucker on the roster. We finally got a guy who knows how to foul. Anyways, to stay on topic with this Aaron Rodgers thing, you know, I think when you look at Rodgers, I think he's got that Jeopardy contract all but wrapped up. Anyone that can read a Nielsen rating can see that. I think that uh, if you take a step back and you look at life instead of a football life, Jeopardy's a half a billion dollars for that man over the next 30 years. I mean, 40 years from now, he can be pimping uh, the life insurance and the final burial expense if that works out well. So the $37.5 million from the Packers, I wouldn't worry too much about the scratch in that in the, uh, in the discussion. Uh, and also, I don't think uh, it's fair that Goot's getting the blame for this. I think this goes right up to Mark Murphy, uh, the president, and how this went down with love and everything else. And I would make the argument that it is a heck of a lot harder to find an all-star quarterback or a good GM than a president. Uh, Jimmy, I want to give a shout-out to Eric P., who was our high school quarterback in 95 when we went 0-18 from Bayport High School, who Cole Van Lannen was selected from uh, in the draft by the Packers this year. He dragged my sorry ass to tour stop number three, and I've been with you for 25 years. This is the first vine you've ever given me, Romy. Thanks for the call. I'm out. My man, David and Green Bay finally did it. Back to the phones. Let's go to Humboldt. Mark in Humboldt. Good to have you, Mark. Hey, how are Mr. you? Hey, Mr. Rome. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? Good, dude. How about you? Good. I, I, I don't want to be off topic, but I just want to give you a personal thank you from me and my family for Old Trapper and you. So my dad is 72 years old, had a stroke, hmm. lost the use of his legs for diabetes. So he's been in bed for four months. And he went from 220 to 120. And we couldn't find a reason to, to get him to eat. But I lay in bed with him, and we listened to your show. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go down to the store, and I'm going to get a bag of Old Trapper. 
sure enough, we eat a bag of Old Trapper every single time I lay in bed with him and listen to you. That's the only thing he eats. My and man, that, wanna, that is amazing. I just, I just really want to thank you for that. My man, that is amazing, Mark. That is amazing. What's your pop's name? It, 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 it's so hard to watch your dad, you know, go through this. You bet. But, but to get him some food in him is even better. And old chopper and water, and that's all. <laughs> I hear and, you, man. My, listen, my uh, my thoughts are with you, Mark. I really appreciate you sharing that story. That's It's a tough story to listen to, and it's gut-wrenching. But how about old Trapper? He just said, my pops had a stroke, lost the use of his legs, went from 220 to 120, will not eat. I sit in bed with him, and I went down the, the street to buy some old Trapper, and he's all about that. Wow. That's the most amazing thing I've ever heard about Old Trapper. Host of the SI Boxing Podcast with Chris Mannix. Canelo v. Saunders, Saturday, live from Texas. On to zone. Friend of the program, Chris Mannix. What's going on with you, Chris? How are you? What's going on, Jim? How you feeling, dude? Uh, getting a little bit warmer here in the Northeast. So uh, it's uh, starting to, to pick up a little bit. That's I like a good it. thing, man. You can't beat that. I get that. No. All right, so let me jump into it. The Lakers lose to the Raptors last night. They have lost six of their last seven. LeBron got banged up or looked up banged up last night. He also made it very clear, Chris, after the game that he is not a fan of the playing tournament. How do the Lakers look to you right now? I mean, they don't look good. And now you have Dennis Schroeder out for almost two weeks with health and safety protocols. That's another body blow. This team was 0-4 when Schroeder went out in late February. Uh, He's been a really integral part of what they do, either starting or with that second unit. Uh, So this is, I don't know if it's red alert yet, but it's certainly in yellow alert type territory where you do have to wonder if the Lakers wind up in that play-in tournament, which seems very much a possibility at least, uh, how challenging is it going to be for them? Now, I think they still will get into the playoffs, but if they're really grinding in that opening round, you're having to play what is, in essence, you know, maybe one or two game sevens uh, just to get into the playoff field, will that take something out of them? Uh, so I, 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 can have my, I have my concerns about where the Lakers are right now. I do, too. I agree with you. Chris Mannix joining us. In terms of the format itself and the playing tournament, Chris, I know you heard this, but let me reset this very quickly. LeBron is not happy about the play-in format. You know, the playoff, uh, whatever that thing is, wh- whoever came up with that uh, need to be fired, but whatever. So, Chris, your thoughts on that. For instance, Adam Silver and the folks in the league office, what do they think about the playing games, and is anybody going to get fired as a result of them? No, nobody's getting fired. And it's a little bit of ironic's the right word, but it's, it's notable that the players and the teams complaining about the play-in tournaments are teams and players that are potentially going to fall into it at that number seven spot. You know, when Dallas was griping about it, uh, that was in part because they were the number seven seed at the time. The Lakers could wind up as the number seven seed and be forced to play, as I said, one or two games to get into the postseason. Uh, Look, I I can understand to a degree why players don't love it, 
but I think there are more players that do because they're able to compete for playoff spots in the final months of the season when ordinarily they might not. And far more importantly, it's reduced the number of teams that are tanking at the end of the season. Jim, I know it's been a while since we've had a traditional NBA season, but you go back and look at the last month, two months of every NBA year, it's awful basketball because teams for the most part have been you know, playing young guys, not playing guys at all. The number of Oklahoma City Thunders would be in the three or four range instead of like one to two right now with teams that are trying to, to just mail it in. So I think for the league overall, the play-in tournament has been excellent. Now, does it need to be tweaked moving forward? Absolutely. I think there's no real need to have the seven seed involved. I think the eight, nine is probably the best way to go about it. And I think taking it a step further, you know, I don't think you need an eight seed that is five games up on a nine seed uh, having to play to get into the playoffs. But if there's a difference of one, two, or three games, then yes, there should be a play-in opportunity for, for those two teams. It just makes the league much more exciting. Like Jim, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I love their version of this, you know, where it's just a, a one-game playoff series to open the postseason. That's Oftentimes, it's like the only game I watch until the World Series. And I think the NBA is going to have a similar impact on its viewers having kind of winner-go-home type games early in the playoffs. I think you're right. And to that point about how the ones who are complaining the most vociferously about the play-in are those who are going to be in the play-in. So, yes, I agree. Chris Mannix joining us. Let me change up on you, Chris. Canelo Alvarez is going to take on WBO title holder Billy Joe Saunders on Saturday in Arlington on zone. For those who are not familiar with Saunders, who is he and what kind of a threat does he pose to Canelo? Well, he's an excellent boxer. Probably the most skilled boxer Canelo has faced since he beat Eris Landy Lara back in 2014. And there are some similarities there between the two. Both are southpaws. Both are excellent movers. Both operate behind a solid jab. Uh, You know, one of the things I worry about with this fight is, will it be highly entertaining? Like, I don't see Billy Joe Saunders going in there and trying to bang with Canelo. I think he's going to go in there and try to use his diverse skill set to sneak out and steal a win. His best chance of winning this fight is going to be frustrating Canelo in ways that he has been frustrated since the days of Lara and Floyd Mayweather, which were very early in his professional career. Uh, so I think that's what Saunders is going to do. But the, the, the answer to that question of can he do it is that Canelo's not the same guy that you know, lost to Mayweather and squeaked out a win over Eris Landy Lara. He has vastly improved since then. So whatever Saunders is going to try, I'm sure he'll have his moments, but he's going up against a guy that is not only – uh, the most popular fighter in the world today, at least in the U.S., but he is, I think, the most skilled fighter in the world as well. Talking to Chris Mannix. Now, Chris, the sport is also dealing with the news of lightweight Felix Verdejo, who has been accused of killing an ex-lover after finding out that she was pregnant. You had mm. tweeted that there are shades of Ray Carruth in this story. For those who are not familiar with it, who is he and what is he accused of? Well, Felix Verdejo was a 2012 U.S. or Puerto Rican Olympian and one of the most uh, compelling prospects coming out of that Olympic class. Now, in recent years, he has stumbled a bit. He's taken some losses, and he hasn't lived up to all that potential, but he's still someone that 
at 135 pounds was a factor in that division. And this news just came out of nowhere. And when I tweet and say that it has shades of Ray Carruth, we all know the story of Ray Carruth, who shot and killed the mother of his child. The child thankfully survived. Uh, you know, this woman that Verdejo is accused of killing is also reportedly was the mother of his child, was pregnant, a month pregnant with his child. Now, of course, the child didn't survive uh, th- this, uh, this murder, but, you know, you, you, that was my immediate reaction. You get these flashbacks of, you know, someone doing something so heinous. And if you read the details of how this woman was killed, it's heinous. Someone doing so heinous that you, and that you know that the child has something to do with it. That, that just brought me all the way back to the early days of reading the Ray Carew story. It is heinous. It's extremely grim. Chris Mannix joining us for a few moments. Chris, let me ask you something. You and I have talked boxing for so many years. You love the sport. I love the sport. What do you make of Jake and Logan Paul and their forays into boxing? Uh, look, I, I think it's great for them. Um, I was part of the Logan Paul KSI kind of promotion that aired on DAZN uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, I think Logan Paul is a genius. Uh, I mean, his his understanding of how to bring in viewers and, and the whole YouTube social media experience, it's, it's on another level. So I learned a lot just being around Logan Paul. Uh, I don't watch it. I, I didn't watch Jake Paul against Ben Askren. I'm not going to watch Logan Paul against Floyd Mayweather. I just don't care. Um, but I think for fighters that are fighting on the undercard, whether it was Regis Progre who fought on the Jake Paul undercard, or you know guys like Badu Jack and John Pascal who are going to be the co-main event of the Mayweather card, it's a great chance to be introduced to a whole bunch of new eyeballs that don't ordinarily watch boxing. And maybe, just maybe, you can win over a few fans. Now, if I'm a boxer and I'm watching Jake Paul put up all these numbers and Logan Paul put up all these numbers, don't gripe about them. Go look in a mirror and look at yourself. Look at the fights you've taken. How many fights happen, Jim, in the U.S. that nobody gives a damn about? I mean, the schedule is polluted with them. If fighters, and people talk about how social media, guys should be more active on social media. Did Sugar Ray Leonard need social media to become a superstar? Did Muhammad Ali need social media to become the face of boxing? Did Mike Tyson back in his days? No. What they did was they consistently fought great fights that brought in huge audiences. These fighters today don't do it. So I'm not here for the argument that Jake Paul and Logan Paul might be hurting boxing. Boxing hurts boxing. And boxing can catch up to Jake Paul and Logan Paul very quickly by fighting the best fights. Chris Mannix joining me. I got to say, Chris, for the record, I I watched Jake Paul and Ben Askren, and not only did I do so, I did so willingly. Not only did I do so, I paid for it. Not only did I do so, I spoke to Ben Askren on a podcast the week leading up to it. Now, I'm not saying that I'm pro-Jake and not pro-Logan. I I don't have as much interest or any in Logan and Mayweather. But, man, how do you not acknowledge it? There is something there, right? And these guys are, for better or for worse, they're genius and they're good at making money. There is something to that. There's something to take away from this. Oh, of course. I mean, they're, they're characters. And they have mastered the art of self-promotion. And if you're Jake Paul, you have a great understanding that, you can take on high-profile MMA guys and probably win these fights. I mean, Jake Paul, Jake Paul's not a bad boxer. He's not he's a, not. a good I or agree. great boxer by any stretch, but he's not bad. He's going to beat 
of these MMA guys that come in. I mean, I've said this a million times. Both boxing and mixed martial arts are combat sports. They're not the same sports. They're basically baseball and, and wiffle ball is really what they are. And, you know, Jake Paul knows that if he fights Tyron Woodley or if he fights another, like uh, Daniel Cormier, which happened at the last UFC event, they're, they're face-to-face, he's going to win. He's probably going to win. He's going to make a boatload of money doing it. So I wouldn't expect Jake Paul to take a serious fight anytime soon. There's no, there's no real upside to it. But if he can keep beating up on these MMA stars, which I know drives Dana White crazy – um, he's going to make a boatload of money over the next few years. You and I, on a different segment, could get into this. He's not going to beat Cormier. I, I see your point. Believe me, he's really, really smart about picking the biggest name with the lowest amount of risk that gives him credibility. Cormier is a different animal now. That's a different I, I, dude. I, I, I don't think so. I don't think he's a different animal at all. I think he's, he's, pro- he's a much bigger step up than Ben Askren, who everybody knew from watching him wasn't a striker. And Cormier... Uh, is a better striker from what I've seen of him, and said he's gonna he can get down to 205 to fight Jake Paul, but it's just an entirely different skill set. And if you get hit with a right cross from a boxer, it, it just it's just enti- it's just so so different that I would just bet on Jake Paul against virtually any MMA boxer out there right now. He is Michael Lombardi. Michael, great to have you back. How are you? I'm great, Jim. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. So, Michael, when we're talking about Aaron Rodgers and the situation, you know, it goes back to the drafting of Jordan Love. I'm just jumping right into this. I want to go back to 2014 because you were with the Patriots in a similar situation. That was the year the Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. How did they handle that when it came to Tom Brady? Well, you know, the reality is because Robert Kraft has a relationship with Brady and because he realizes the importance of what Brady has done along with Coach Belichick, that there we reached out to him to let him know that we were going to select a quarterback in the second round, that this was going to be the plan moving forward in the sense that, you know, it wasn't a slap at him. It was just we needed to get some depth to back up, explain the plan to him. And, you know, what I wrote about in The Athletic, Jim, and I think this is really lost in the whole picture of Aaron Rodgers. If there would be an owner in Green Bay, somebody who appreciates and understands the value of what this player has done for his bank account, like let's just take a look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Today it came out that Brady has sold more jerseys and they've increased their their jersey sales by 1,200%. That's money in the Glazers' pocket that they got from Brady being there. They appreciate that. You have to. And I think that's missing in Green Bay. Mark Murphy, the president, he runs the team like it's his athletic department. There's no one going and reaching out and really schmoozing with their best player. I think that's really interesting. Like, he's more of an AD than he is an owner. So if you were in the Packers organization and you were drawing up the list of priorities, where does keep Aaron Rodgers happy fall on that list of priorities? Number one, after the season, I said the first thing I would have done is gone to him and extend his contract and said, look, Aaron, I understand that you're in the same bracket as Russell Wilson, that you're in the same pay scale, believe it or not, as Jared Goff. But when Dak Prescott's deal gets done, you and I need to sit down and we need to revisit it because I know you're a better player than Dak Prescott. And here's where you have to. It's easy for me to say just play with the contract. Well, Dak Prescott makes $40 million a year. That's $7 million more than Aaron Rodgers makes. If he's going to play three more years for me, that's $21 million he's losing out over his career. That's just not like a little piece of the pie. That's significant. And players understand that. And he's our franchise. Trust me, he's put more than $21 million into the bank account for the Green Bay Packers franchise than anybody. 
And so you had to do that once the season was over. You needed to revisit that conversation. Michael Lombardi is joining us for talking about the Packers situation. Michael, what about this? I mean, could you argue the fact that this goes back even before the Jordan Love pick and actually goes back to when the Packers hired Matt LaFleur? Does this have any impact on where they are right now? I I believe it does because for me, when you have a marquee quarterback, somebody who's experienced, and you hire a coach who really wasn't very good as the offensive coordinator at Tennessee, they ranked 27th in the National Football League in offensive football when Matt LaFleur was running their team. They got better when Arthur Smith took over. And let's be real honest, there was a game against the Baltimore Ravens against Don Martindale who can't get a head coaching interview where Martindale didn't even allow him to get a convert a third down. And so, you know, Rodgers needs stimulation. He needs somebody that's going to go in there and really, really embrace what he wants to do. And I think that LaFleur's a young coach learning how to become a head coach, right? That puts another burden on, on the back of Aaron Rodgers. Do you really think that the 26 regular season wins the Packers would have would be there if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers? Does anybody think that that coaching staff is allowing them to win? I mean, Mike Pettin doesn't really – he's gone after a year. So my point here is you hired a young coach who's growing. You put more on Rodgers' plate to carry the team. Michael Lombardi is an NFL insider for The Athletic. He is the co-host of the GM Shuffle podcast. He is the co-creator of The Daily Coach. So, Michael, the team has been pretty emphatic about we're not moving this guy. We're not going to trade this guy. Can you see a scenario where they would trade him? No, I don't. I mean, nobody wants that blood on their hands. Nobody wants to walk away in their career knowing you were the guy that traded Aaron Rodgers especially coming off an MVP season. I mean, seriously, he was the MVP of the league. You're going to go trade him now? How do you sell that? Now, look, Packer fans will be Packer fans for the rest of their life, but that will scar anyone for the rest of their life. I think they have to try to make nice. they got to find a way to make peace. You know, I'm not buying that it's he doesn't like Gutekus because the organization is run by Murphy. Murphy splintered the organization. When Ted Thompson retired – then Murphy decided to take the power of the football operations away from Ted Thompson, who had it in his contract. He gave the GM title to Gutekest. He didn't give the authority to Gutekest. He kept it for himself, and he made the coach and the general manager report to him directly. In the past, the general manager had the coach reporting to him because he was in control of all football operations. That's a huge difference. So that's a huge difference. Do you think that they make this thing right with Rodgers? And if not, could you really see him walking away from the game? Well, I, you know, the, that then benefits the Packers because in everyone's contract, if you retire, you have to start paying back money on the retirement, on the bonus. I mean, that's what happened with Andrew Luck. But Jim Irsay, once again, appreciating what Andrew Luck did for his franchise, the value he increased his franchise by, said, you know what, Andrew, I don't want that I don't want that signing bonus money back. You keep it. They have that right to ask him for that back, and that's the, really the, the only caveat that they have over Aaron Rodgers is to say, look, if you want to play, if you want to retire, you're going to have to pay us back. And that becomes really a game of chicken. Who's going to blink first? Michael, I mean, if, we're, if they're being honest, is there any part of the Packers that would be happy to see Aaron retire and just be done with this whole thing so they can start the succession plan and not have to worry about this? Well, I can't imagine it because, I mean, they've watched Jordan Love practice. And if their confidence in Jordan Love is at an all-time high, they wouldn't be screaming that there's no way they're trading Aaron Rodgers. They wouldn't be screaming that. 
if they felt like Jordan Love, based on the practices, we didn't see him play last year, Jim, so we don't know. But my hunch is I don't think Jordan Love's ready for prime time. I think it's going to take a little bit more time. And I think if that really causes for alarm. I mean, where would the Packers' win total be if they, if they didn't have this player? It, you know, they wouldn't be the favorite of the, the, the North. It would be Minnesota, even though Minnesota's going through a little bit of rebuilding. The Packers defensively have never been dominant. With you know, we saw that in the playoff game. Their right tackle, their left tackle situation because of Bakari's injury last year. This is not an overly talented team. This is a team that has a talented quarterback who makes everybody else better. Michael Lombardi, my guest. Really quickly, Michael, a few weeks back, you and I spoke about the 49ers and what they might do with that third pick. Ultimately, they go with Trey Lance. What did you make of that decision? I think they got cold feet. I think it was for Mac Jones, uh, and I think they real the pressure around Mac Jones. I think that they decided to go with Trey Lance. I'm not buying it was Trey Lance all along. Too many people in the league told me it was Mac Jones. They traded up for Mac Jones. Even Adam Schefter reported today they were in love with, they got almost walked down the aisle with, with Mac Jones, and they found someone else to marry. That's really interesting, right? So really quickly, what do you think about the pick itself and the upside? Is this going to work out for them, and is it ultimately going to be the right choice? I think that's going to take time. I mean, look, let's face it. Trey Lance isn't ready to play. Through 317 passes, the least amount of any first-round quarterback in the history of the game. He's going to take some time to play. He's going to make a lot of mistakes. I think he's a year away from really us evaluating him. Good night now!